You are listening to the What A Word podcast, an interview style podcast where guests bring their unique experiences and insight on culture, life's challenges, and faith. Each episode is seasoned with words which will inspire and encourage. Now here is your host, Ryan Sharp. Thank you, as always, for joining. Um, when everyone is outside, people are back at work, uh, things are, quote unquote, back to more normalcy. I'm honored that you would choose to engage via YouTube or on our podcast app. The Waterword podcast is a weekly interview style podcast, as you know, designed to inspire and encourage. And I'm excited today about our guest, um, I've actually been inspired by her work since coming across it on one of our social media apps. Um, Tisha McMillan is a higher educational professional. For over 18 years, she served in a variety of capacities related to uh, the post-education financial industry. I told her earlier before we started recording that she's the person I wish I had met before starting college and grad school. Uh, she breaks down information in a, a way lay people can understand it. And I think after our conversation today, you will agree with me that what she's doing is a work that is very impactful. Uh, without saying more, I'll give you just a brief description of her work. Um, she's currently the CEO of an organization called HELP, and I'll ask her to speak more about that and currently serves as the Assistant Director of Financial Aid for HBCU. Uh, Ms. McMillan uh, shares all the time on podcasts and um, recently was on TV, just sharing her work and uh, what she does. Please join me in welcoming uh, Tisha McMillan to the Water Word Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Honored, honored, honored to have you. Um, and like I said, I, I think what you have to offer is so invaluable and I'm thankful that uh, you could join us today. And we spoke off the record about um, the financial aid world, financial aid packages. And very often um, many of us, uh, people of color variety, we look at higher education as a way to um, increase the likelihood that we will have generational wealth, that we will improve our own, um, our status. Uh, we'll improve the, the possibilities for not only ourselves, but our families. And your work is one that involves sharing with families that uh, look like mine and look like other people's families about their options once they are considering post high school studies. Um, Tisha, please tell us a little bit about um, your work. Okay, so I am the CEO of a company I call The Help, and The Help stands for Higher Education Literacy Provider. What I do is I provide higher education literacy regarding the process um, for those who are entertaining the thought of going to college. 
I don't push college. It's not my thing. Um, what I push is the literacy because I think it's important for those who decide that's the route they're going to take, that these are some of the things that you have to um, go through. And these are some of the things that you need to understand as each year as you're completing your financial aid um, package. I think it's extremely important to understand the process so that you can make a um, a better decision as far as where to go and um, other things. Um, I also believe strongly in trades and certifications because truthfully, everybody doesn't want a four-year bachelor's degree. Some people don't want to go to school another four years. And I think it's important to be able to um, give others those options because Again, student loan debt is real and is very impactful. And I work on a campus sometimes and I do see a lot of students who probably would have been better off at a community or um, technical school, community college or technical school. But most of the times it is the parents, you know, living vicariously through the kids. You will be the first one to go. And the kid is sitting over there kind of not feeling it, not interested. And after that year or two um, and those grades and the racking up of this loan debt, it's unfortunate that they end up going back home with this debt because they weren't really in it. So for me, I just like, I think it's important in our community that we don't just push college, that we also push community college trades and certifications as well, because blue collar workers do make a lot of money. We need to stop acting like they don't. Homeowners know we don't want to call the plumber. We don't want to call the electrician. These people make money. So trades are good and trades are good for the country and trades are good for those who don't want to rack up six plus student loan debt. So what I do is I work with the population, normally first generation students who are the first ones in their families going through the process. I educate the parent and the student on what that process looks like. I like to um, dispel any misconceptions that we have about what financial aid is and isn't. You know, financial aid is not enough to cover anybody's cost of attendance at any school. So I, it's important to understand that you don't get all the money you need from financial aid. It's a starting point, but there's other pieces and variables that have to be added to that in order to complete the package. Um, I work with students who have are graduating or um, are about to graduate and they're concerned with their student loan debt and as far as getting into a repayment plan that's um, more comfortable for them as they begin their career because truthfully everybody's not going to qualify for student loan forgiveness. Some of us just aren't going to get forgiveness. What we got to get is into a repayment plan that gives us a payment that we're able to make each month and still continue to live the lives we want to live and not default on our student loans. And then the third population, of course, I assist is those who um, are in default or in danger of defaulting. I assist them with the process of averting their default so that they can buy the house that they're in the process of trying to buy or they're trying to go back to school and they want more Title IV funds or they want the federal government to stop garnishing the wages and take their taxes. So for me, I'm not a documentation preparation service. I can help with paperwork, but for me, I like to, it's very important for me to teach as well. To me, it's a, the process of you have to learn it too. I want you to learn why these things can and cannot happen, what your options are, because truthfully, in order for everyone to be a good steward of the monies they borrow, you have to know what your rights and responsibilities are. And so that's what I push, rights and responsibilities. You need to know what you're eligible for so that when you call your servicer up, um, you know what to ask for. You can't depend on them to tell you exactly what it is you need that you need. You need to know what your options are. So that's pretty much what help does. Help does whatever help needs to do, depending on who comes to me for help. <laughs> Powerful, powerful. And you gave us a lot to think about because as you indicated, trade school and uh, certifications, community college, 
for many years, I think people saw those not as a viable option, but um, a means to an end. And I think what you highlighted is we're looking back now and we're seeing a lot of people wouldn't have done terribly if they had gone to trade school. Exactly, because what we forget to mention is that when you have a trade or a, um, that skill set, you are automatic entrepreneur. We are we are turning out entrepreneurs via trades because you can then go create whatever company it is for whatever trade you have. And we need to stop shaming students who don't continue with a who who don't continue the four year process. It's okay. There's so many different ways to be successful, and I think that we need to stop pushing the narrative that is through the accumulation of student loan debt and going down that route. Especially considering if you didn't prepare your student to not have to take on so much debt. So it's different if you've, you've got that college savings plan or you have that 401k or you got that money coming from somewhere else where they're not saddled with debt. But the truth is a lot of times they are saddled with the debt. And so to me, it doesn't make sense to stay in school three and four years and not get a um, your bachelor's degree, but you are stuck with almost forty, fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt. I see that a lot. I see people who have almost forty, fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt who didn't graduate from school. And to me, that's very problematic because that amount of debt, you should have at least one degree under your belt at that point. And most people who contact me are people who have six-figure student loan debt. You know, I they they are people who um doctors, some lawyers, some whoever, but even with, I think the highest client I have, she has over 500,000 and I would probably cry every day if I woke up <laughs> to that amount of debt. But the reality is I just finished my master's in December and I'm also a six figure student loan borrower myself going to community college, trying to save money, paying out of pocket because those classes are probably half the cost of a class at a university. So I paid for community college out of pocket and had to use my loan money from FAFSA to help fund my um, bachelor and my master's. So and here I am at six figures hoping President Biden puts that 50,000 back on the table when he already told us he's not, but hoping he has a change of mind. So. Part two of that also is, um, you know, the family sits down with a particular student. And like you indicated, many of your clients are first generation college students. So that student uh, reasonably sees college as a way to improve their value, their worth and leverage, you know, um, some higher income. But many don't often understand what the degree will be worth in four years there's no discussion of that and i'm sure you're seeing a lot of that too as you discuss it with families and it, students yeah. a lot of that and then it's also two students getting these degrees in these i want to say question mark fields <laughs> you know it's kind of like get it in something that you know you're able to use that has a that's multi-purpose it has it can you know it's not just kind of art you know or something that's really in align with what you want to do. But I also think that's part of a bigger discussion because truthfully, I don't think we prepare the kids for this process. You know, I don't remember in high school when I was in school, I don't remember a guidance counselor, anybody talking to me about the possibility of going to school, but I also knew that where I graduated at, which was kind of towards the bottom, I had a very low two, that really didn't have a lot of options. So the thing that I'm seeing now is a lot of times because student loan debt is on every is a concern for everybody. A lot of parents are saying, no, 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 I don't want my kid to have student loan debt. No, no loans, no loans. They're not getting loans. And then we say, okay, so what do you have available to kind of supplement that? And it's like, well, what about scholarships? Don't y'all have money? 
these scholarships have requirements. So if your student isn't at that point where they meet the GPA requirement, because 99% of them do have that, and if you've not prepared for that college fund and you don't want loans, you can't be realistically looking at a private university. You can't be looking at a school that is um, 40, 50, 60,000, especially if you don't really have anything to come to the table. It's, it's, it, it's important to be realistic and to have that conversation. But I think it starts at home. Parents need to know if your child doesn't qualify for scholarships and if you know you don't have anything to really contribute to whatever this um, cost is going to be and you don't want them to have loans then you shouldn't be wasting any time looking at a university. You need to be at your local community college. Use your grant money, your free money, to pay for those classes at the community college. So that way you don't have to borrow everything. You don't have to start with student loans because most people don't realize that you don't have to accept all of the financial aid that you've been offered. If part of your financial aid package includes grants and loans and your grants is enough to cover your classes, then decline the loans. Save the loans for if you decide you may want to continue your four-year um, or if you may want to go further than just an associate's or a certification. But if you can get it with your Pell Grant, then do that. But there's many ways around it. It's just a matter of who's having those conversations with the parent and the student to discuss all the different options. I saw the need on my campus from my students and I saw the severe lack of literacy and it is that's what birthed me creating the help. That's, I realized that no one really has that, the, that person or that organization or company that can help them bridge the gap from high school to college. So that's what I want to be. I want to be a resource to help give a better understanding so that at the end of those four years, if they decide to go four years, they understand what they have um, accepted, what they have declined, what they have agreed to repay. Because truthfully, I tell everybody, there's no option to not repay a student loan. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You don't have the option to not repay. You're either going to pay it voluntarily, meaning you're going to make payments to your service every month, or you're going to repay it involuntarily by the federal government taking your taxes and garnishing your wages. <laughs> I remembered when the um, the mortgage industry had the fallout. Many were predicting that student loans were going to be the next bubble that was going to burst. It seemed as if your timing in this industry was, I mean, from my vantage point anyway, seemingly perfect. How did you get into higher education in terms of this area of advising students on financial literacy? Um, it's funny because I always wanted to be a writer. I didn't realize that this was my thing, um, but I got a job working with a loan servicer and I learned all the ins and outs of student loan repayment. I was with the servicer for 15 years and in that 15 years, I held seven different positions. So student loan repayment is my area of expertise. And once I saw the repayment side of it, I wanted to go to the beginning part. I wanna know when they start on campus, when they complete the FAFSA, the beginning to the part of graduation, that's the part I wanted to learn. So after 15 years of working with a loan servicer, I um, accepted a position um, and a pay cut with an HBCU because it was important for me to be able to bridge the gap for myself. I needed to know the whole process. And once I got on campus and I saw the students and I saw so much misinformation and so many misconceptions, you know, about financial aid, um, there's so many things that, that, that makes me very sad. It makes me very sad. Um, and that's why I know it's important. It's important that I ha I'm teaching as I'm educating them and as I'm guiding them through the process, still letting them make the decision, but making sure they have all of the missing pieces because there is so much, you know, I ran across a lot of parents who 
did not want to put their financial information on their FAFSA. You know, in our community, when the, when a student is 18, they grown. They grown. What do they need my information for? They grown. I'm like, they're not grown. They're 18. And until they're and until they're 24, or if they have some other qualifying condition, they will need your financial aid, your financial information to put on the FAFSA. And a lot of them was, would think that by putting their financial information into the FAFSA, it created a bill for them. So then the parent, and so I've had many conversations with parents who felt like if they put their financial information in the FAFSA, it created a bill for them and they didn't want to pay it. So they didn't want to help. And sometimes it took me having to talk to the parent, um, not making them feel dumb or in any kind of way, but just explaining how FAFSA actually works. A student's need-based aid is based off of the parent's income. That's why the parent's income has to be on there and explaining to them that it doesn't necessarily create a new bill for them. All of the bills, which is the student loan portion, goes to the student. Um, some of them were okay with the explanation I gave and they would then go in and do it. But some of them didn't care. They were like, no, I'm not doing it. They can figure it out. You don't have to have college. So I've seen a lot of things that kind of make me sad, especially with working with this community. Um, and I, the more I saw and everybody that comes to me, they're like, I need the literacy. They, they know that's my word, the literacy. I'm like, I'm going to guide you through. I'm going to explain how things work. Um, people thinking every year you get a refund. Refunds is free money. Refunds are not free money. It means you overborrowed, <laughs> And it means you could have sent some of that loan money back or declined it so that you don't, so that you even out. Like college isn't about getting a refund and it's not free money. And it's like so many different things that we think about um, or that we hear. And I try to dispel those things. That people think student loan debt is passed when you die is passed down to your children. Like it's not generational wealth. It's going to be um, discharged by the guarantee agency who has the loan once that your people tell them that you are deceased. It's not somebody else's debt to pay. So I've I've seen a lot of things, a lot of misinformation out there, and I just try to clarify it and give accurate information because a lot of people get duped. There's third party companies that go around contacting students and they say, oh, you qualify for forgiveness, and if you don't know who your loan servicer is, you're going to think that that's your loan servicer. I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten from people who have given a third-party company their access to all their information and they're drafting their money out of their account each month because they promised them some type of loan forgiveness. And when I tell them it's a scam and they had to close out their account and stop payment and do all of these different things, I'm like, because you didn't do your due diligence, you know? So my, my goal is to make sure that you are informed. Even if I'm helping you, I like to talk things through and I like to make sure that whoever it is on the other end of that call understand exactly what it is that I'm saying and what it is that they need to do so that they can just make better choices. And, and it's bigger than an account number for you because you are touching individuals who are coming from families or whether they're not coming from families, their decisions are impacting their present and future. Um, does it break your heart to see the misinformation that students are coming? I mean, with good intentions too, wanting to get a higher education or wanting to progress and then having, you know, the loans at the end that they are not prepared to handle it's it's heartbreaking because i know on my campus i want to save every student and in the beginning it was very hard for me because i took it personally when i couldn't make it happen like financial aid isn't one of those things where i control what a student gets what you get is just what you get and that's based off of the regs but having those difficult conversations with parents who don't want to help with the FAFSA and looking at a student telling them without that, there's no, 
the fast the federal government doesn't provide a provision for a financial aid office to say, oh, well, we're going to give you aid because and because your parent doesn't want to help. No, if your parent doesn't want to help, then you don't qualify for financial aid. And it's unfortunate to have those types of conversations. It's unfortunate to have the types of conversations when I have students. And to me, it's even bigger than the financial literacy. It's just a matter that I focus on. But I also have kids who haven't been taught um, how why they should keep their W-2. Kids who work, who who have, don't have basic literacy, don't have the basic um, information about financials at all. And it's kind of like, it makes it, it's, it's so much. And so it's, it's a, it's a area that we're severely lacking. And I can tell you that I was um, offered a position at um, Duke University a while ago, a while ago. Um, and I turned it down because I didn't feel like I could make the impact that I needed to make. And I didn't think the work would be as, um, as rewarding for me to work with students who like their population, I think if the parent makes 75,000 or something, they don't get student loans. But for me and my knowledge and what I do, I need it to be, the work has to be fulfilling. So for me, it's never been about money because I can assure you with help, I have calls all over my numbers, all over Facebook, is all over in, um, my Instagram, people contact me, they send me pictures of award letters, they send me emails, they say, I, I Googled your name, I found you on Facebook, can we talk? And they will call me and I will have random conversations with God knows who, we will talk and we will hang up and I'll never know who this person is. And I never once say, send me some money before we talk because for me, it's just that important that you have this literacy. It's important. I've had people who were days away from closing who didn't realize that their loan, their, their defaulted student loan was in cavers and they, they lost their federal, they're in danger of losing their federal home loan. And what can I do? And, I, and the one thing I don't do is promise any miracles, but I can assure with the amount of knowledge I have regarding what we can and what we can't do, I've been very successful in being able to help people. And the first thing they'll say is, well, how much do I owe you? I'm like, I'm just happy to be able to help. I'm just like, sometimes the reward is maybe God gives me a little more life at the end of my life. You know, maybe there was a day and God says she's out there doing the work and he just sprinkled a little bit more. So everything to me is a monetary. As long as I feel like I'm living my purpose and helping and doing what I feel like I was called to do, then to me, that is the reward and the payment. It's not always financial with me. I don't know what this is correlation between not having such high debt and your ability to process information while a student. Um, it seems as if poverty intersects with so many other ways that you're impacted neg negatively in higher education. I mean, we look at all of these uh, social media companies and we see um, young people who came from families with resources and they're taking major risks at a young age because at the end of the day, if there's a fallout, they have something to land on. And mm -hmm. we have now poorer students who are more or less risking everything with these loan packages. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's tragic, you know, to say the least. Mm. And some parents too, because some of these first generation parents who don't want their student to take on the debt decide to take out these parent plus loans. And it's very heartbreaking for me. And I can't ever tell a parent what they can and what they cannot do. I can advise what I would, what's gonna end up happening. But I've seen parents take on the bulk of the debt. And you talk about parents who probably make minimum wage. And I know that by the time this student graduate, I tell every parent, once you do that first year to get them in school, you're gonna to have to continue to do that to keep them there for the next four plus years. So if this, if you're coming out of pocket that first year and your student needs 25,000 that first year, 
you're talking about three and four years, you probably want to consider a different school. It's that it's a lot, but I can't tell anybody what to pay or what to do. You know, it's your student. But what I can say is just think if the standard loan repayment term for a student is 10 years, parents get the same 10 years, that's 120 payments. So whatever that overall balance is going to look like divided by 120 payments, that's the payment you're going to be stuck with unless you get into one of these income driven repayment plans or you qualify for forgiveness. But none of that's immediate. I tell everybody immediate is not forgiveness is not immediate. It is it is something it is a process and you have to qualify for it. One, you have to make a certain amount of payments to be able to qualify for that forgiveness. So if somebody's calling you saying, oh, give me three payments and you get forgiveness, it's a hang up. <laughs> it's a scam. It's not it's not that simple. But a lot of people, because they don't understand the process, um, are calling for it just because somebody told them something that sounds too good to be true. And I tell anybody, if somebody calls you with something that sounds too good to be true, call your servicer because if it's something that you can actually have, your servicer should be able to offer it to you if it's valid. So call your servicer and don't get scammed by a third party company that's promising you something that's totally unrealistic. It's unrealistic. You know, President Biden has been struggling to give us forgiveness. So no company is going to call you and tell you with three payments you're going to get your students loan forgiven if the man in the highest office <laughs> in the land hasn't done it yet. Like we got it. We also have to use some some judgment and some discernment when it comes to that as well. And I like that you touched on um, uh, President Biden's um, promise of loan forgiveness because it seems to have spurred a lot of third-party companies that are calling and making promises that don't match the president's promise either. Um, how many, I guess I'll ask it this way, could you address some of the myths of what uh, President Biden has promised in terms of public loan forgiveness? Well, it, it in the beginning, way back when, before he got into office, he was saying loan forgiveness and the amounts kind of fluctuated. We heard 10,000 and then somebody said something about 50. But in the most recent communication of what President Biden, when he touched back on it again, he did say he's not considering the 50 that is it's off the table. The 10,000 is, is probably more where he's comfortable at. But what he's not saying is whether or not it's going to be a full wide forgiveness for everybody, meaning everybody with student loans are going to get forgiveness, or are you going to have to qualify for that 10,000 in forgiveness? And what people need to understand, and I and I stress, I can't stress this enough, is that President Biden is talking about student loans that are held with the Department of Education. That is the U.S. Department of Education and his direct loans. He's not talking to older borrowers who have those fail loans, those fail loans, those federal family education loan program loans, FFEL. He's not necessarily said he's including those into his promise of forgiveness. So that is a question mark. Will forgiveness be extended to everybody? Or will it just be extended to the, the direct loan borrowers? Because those are the loans held by the federal government. Um, I did read something about there may possibly be some income threshold possibly, meaning if you make a certain amount above that, you're not eligible for that 10,000. What we don't know is, is he going to include it just for graduate school, um, undergraduate, or will he include graduate? Because some of us probably have been paying loans so much, we probably have the graduate loans, and the undergrad probably don't have that much left on it. It just depends. Um, 
but there's so many variables there's so many things and even if and i think the biggest question is does he even have the the power to do that without congress coming and it being some long drawn out fight in court about who has the authority you know does the higher education act give president biden the authority to um do widespread forgiveness or is that something that congress can do or neither one of them like i i, I don't know i'm not as hopeful i don't see it happening anytime soon so and for a lot of times i get calls and emails from people asking, do they qualify or do I think they're going to get forgiveness? And I tell them, you know, some of us just going to have to make payments on these loans. <laughs> some of us are just going to have to pay. And even if he did do 10,000 for the amount of, for the people I know, for the amount of people who call me who have student loan debt, the 10,000 is literally a crumb. It's a crumb compared to the amount of debt that everybody has because people have more than 10,000, you know, it costs, you know, these schools are kind of like um, businesses now, you know, it's not about education. It's about, it's, it's about, you know, tuition fees, room and board, it's a business and these schools, the cost of attendance and the, the, it's, it's so much. So 10 is helpful. I don't want to seem ungrateful, but it really is a crumb compared to the overall amount of debt of what we have, uh, what, what some of us have. And I think it's the, probably a good majority of us have way more than 10,000 in student loan debt. you've given us um, some food for thought, um, some takeaways. Um, the trade school certification doesn't mean you're a failure. You know, it's a viable option in terms of advancing oneself. Uh, the other thing too is that the loan forgiveness discussion, it's you talk to your servicer, it is a process. It's not something immediate up front. You have to pay make some qualifying payments usually. And you can talk to your servicer to see if you qualify for the plan, or you may have to get into um, the, the loan um, income-driven repayment plan. Something, there, there are some steps that you'll have to take. And if someone is calling and saying, you immediately qualify and it's not your servicer, you're sure. probably being scammed, if, especially if they're asking for payments up front. Oh, and it's that is a dead giveaway. Once they say they need your bank account information and they will send the payments for you. I've had a lady call me and she had um, given her information to a company she'd been paying the last two years. I said, how have you been paying if the student loan moratorium has had the payment suspended for two years? What are you paying? She's like, I've been paying them 150 every month. Who have you been paying? She's like my servicer. And she gave me the name of the company. I said, that's not a loan servicer. And when she called her servicer, they told her that they haven't received a payment from her in over two years. So she has been paying this company all of this money. And she didn't even know because they promised her loan forgiveness. So I'm just, I, I very much stress for people to do your due diligence. Google the company. If somebody's asking for all of this information, your servicer is not going to do that. You know, certain, your servicer is governed by federal regulations and there's certain things that they have to do and there's just certain things that they're not going to do you know and also what people don't realize is that um, income driven repayment plans are student loan forgiveness plans too it's not the one that everybody wants because it's not the 10 years everybody wants the 10 years public service loan forgiveness i get it but some of us are not going to qualify for the public service loan forgiveness um, forgiveness plan. What we will need to do is maybe income driven, which after 20 or 25 years of payments under an income driven repayment plan, whatever loan amount you have remaining, it will be forgiven. It's not ideal, but again, everybody's just not gonna qualify for forgiveness. And even if Biden does the 10,000, you may still have so much student loan debt left 
that the goal again is to just get that payment to a comfortable amount where you can pay and live and just understand it's just going with you. Just, just, just continue to do that. And it's okay because a lot of times people get mad when they say, well, I've been paying this loan for five years and it's not going down. And then we say, well, what is your repayment plan? They're like, well, I'm an income driven. Those plans aren't geared to help you pay your student loan off. People who want to pay their student loan off, who want to see their payment amount go down, the principal and interest and all of that, you need to be in a standard repayment plan. That is the only repayment plan that is set up to where your loan will be paid off in 10 years. Anything else is stretching out the time. So that means it's giving you more time to pay it. So you're going to be paying more in interest. So no, you're not going to be seeing this huge drop and you're not going to be seeing the principal drop and all of this that you're making um, debts in the payments. You're not going to do that. So we have to understand if we want forgiveness, be it through public service loan forgiveness or income driven, that it is a process and you're not going to be seeing your account go down. I tell everybody, you can't be worried about the principal balance if you're trying to get forgiveness. That's not for you. If your servicer says your payment in an income driven repayment plan is $5 a month, pay you $5 a month. Anything you pay over, you're cheating yourself out of the forgiveness amount. Use that additional money that you have and pay off your other consumer debt. It's just different. Like you have to understand it because it bothers a lot of people. They say, oh, the balance is growing. And I'll say, but you're also applying for forgiveness. So what do you care if the balance is growing because you don't plan on paying that? So you have to understand how it works in order to be comfortable with what you see in order to get the forgiveness that you want. Wow. And you know, powerful points, by the way. And I also must say, uh, Tisha, that you've done a lot in terms of having impact. Now, I mentioned earlier that the numbers were sobering and that it's heartbreaking and a lot of these stories were tragic, but you've had some success stories with students. Yeah. advice, <laughs> And it's turned things around for them. Could you share a few of those with us? Um, Cause our population is extremely first generation. Um, I take it extra personal to just make sure that they're good. Um, I come from a, I work at a school that has very students with a lot of high need. And so a lot of times we all know financial aid is just enough to barely cover the expenses, but there's things that they, it does not cover and it does not help. Um, so through help, when I do have clients, um, I'm able to use those funds and reinvest them back into the community. Um, I had a student who she was going through a very difficult time and she's just trying to figure, you know, life is hard. They're young, lots of things going on. And I just didn't know how to assist her. And I was very concerned with her mental state. And I just finished up a job with a client who I was doing some FAFSA updates for. And so I used those funds to help pay for her therapy. She needed therapy. Whatever she needed was way above me, but I wanted to make sure I put her in good hands. And so I did. And she got the therapy she needed to kind of get back on track. Um, so I, she just graduated um, this past um, last weekend. So I'm very proud about that. I use funds to pay graduation fees for students who I knew just, it's, I'm just glad to see them have made it. I bought books, I bought technology, I bought grocery and I don't make a lot of money by any means. So when I say I bought, I mean through help and the, and the couple clients that I do get, I reinvest those funds back into the community and I'm able to assist and help students out with certain things. And it makes me feel like, that's like that's what that's that's what we're supposed to do. Like is that's help helping, um, and so it makes me feel good when I'm able to do that. It makes me feel good when I'm able to see a student who I've seen struggle the last three four years actually make it because I'm t times are different. You know, when we were in school, the battles, the things that these kids go through is so different now, and 
and I we and I and then sometimes sometimes I have to just try to leave it at work, but it's so close to my heart that I don't know how to separate it, and it really bothered me in the beginning. And it still bothers me. <laughs> I'm not that much different now. It's, it's a very, I hate when I can't get it. I hate when I can't come through for them. Um, and I want to save them all. And I just think that one way to do that is just through understanding. I don't want somebody to have gone, gone walked by me and said, nobody told them they had $40,000 in student loan debt. Nobody said that the payment was going to be about 500 month or or all these different things and the unfortunate part is um our my institution has a very high default rate and you know and that's the unfortunate part is they need the literacy in order to understand how impactful this default is because nobody thinks about default now in the moment that you're defaulting it's not until years later when you totally forgot about this loan when it's not showing up on your credit report anymore when you're three days away from closing on a house i actually had a couple call me and they just gotten married and managed to save up like thirty thousand dollars for the house is buying a house and the wife found me on facebook and the husband had defaulted twice not once but twice and so their only option was to pay the balance and it took everything they saved plus whatever they got from other people to help them to save their federal mortgage that they were approved for loan. So it's kind of like some of them, you know, it, it, it's, 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 we don't see the dangers of default or the dangers of this student loan debt until after the fact. And so if I can just educate and just make them good stewards of the monies that you borrow, understand that regardless of what people tell you, it's not optional to repay it. You're going to be going on with life, living your best life, and it's not going to be until your job calls you downstairs and say they have an order to start garnishing your wages. It's going to be when you're anticipating that huge tax refund, and you're going to get the letter saying that they took it. It's like it's so many different things that they do, and even in certain states, they can pull your professional license when you default. So there's your career right there. You know you're going to benefit. You're you're not going to be able to benefit from a degree that you're not paying for the education for. They're going to take your license. So if I can do anything and just reach one, teach them, you know, educate. Um, that's why I tell everybody, I don't charge for the literacy. It's free. It's, it's, it's sometimes people don't know where to go to look. And if I know where to look and if I can point you to a regulation that'll help you um, or if I can explain, explain something to you, I don't mind doing that. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing to do that. That's what, that's what we do with each other. We're humans. We take care of each other. that I like your motivational content as well. Um, factory reset, uh, putting your ducks in a row. Growth is uncomfortable. Um, time and consequence. Um, these are, are some of the posts that you share, which I imagine not only motivates people like me who look on, but maybe motivation for you as well, because you're dealing with compassion fatigue in, mm -hmm. in the environment. Um, could you share a few motivational contents with us and then share with us to close ways people can contact you uh, if they're in need of your services as well? Should they need your services? Because they do. So I'll say ways to contact you. Should they decide it's time to make that call? 
Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of things that I share is just content that I need to hear sometimes because I'm a person who is steady trying to pour into me. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to get my little piece of the pie, trying to get to wherever it is I'm supposed to get to. So I have to always pour into myself because an empty cup can't pour into an empty cup. So I tell me things through my posts that I want to that I want to hear. Um, and right now, you know, I just think I'm in a season of growth and change. And I think a lot of people are, you know, this pandemic, the way things are done, everything has changed. You know, the one thing about COVID is it's, it tapped, it made us, it turned us into survivalists, I believe. It made people um, who never thought about being entrepreneurs all of a sudden are now doing these things. And, you know, people are out there leaving jobs and they're growing, they're going through those growing, pay, um, growing pains and things like that. And I just tell everybody, and where everybody wants, you know, I think everybody's saying that, oh, the great resignation, everybody's walking away from jobs. No, people want to be appreciated. People are walking out of toxic environments wanting to be at jobs where they feel like that their value is being respected and that what they bring to the table, that people are hearing them. I, you know, I've worked in positions and jobs where I didn't feel like what my contribution was appreciated. And it took a minute before I realized what my worth was when it came to an employer. And now that I know that, um, you know, it's, it's I'm, I won't just accept anything. And so right now I'm in my growing season. I tell everybody, this is the growing season right here. I, I've been planting for a very long time and I'm, I'm harvesting now. Every opportunity, every time something comes up, even if it's uncomfortable, I do it just because I normally would have said, no, I can't do a podcast. I can't be on camera. I don't like the way I talk. I don't want to hear. But now I'm like, you're saying that because you're uncomfortable. No, just sit in it and do it and you're going to be fine. And so now that's where I find myself doing things that I would have ordinarily have declined, but it's also helping me in this growth, in this stage of growth that I'm in right now. Um, and the biggest one that I tell myself every day is when it's your door, it'll open. I, I don't have to push it. I ain't got to kick it down. I don't have to like ramsack it, but I also tell myself too, as you're looking at the door, don't forget to check the windows. Sometimes there are windows of opportunities that we miss because we're so busy looking at the door. So now I think of windows as just like doors. It's just, it's a different way of getting into a place where I feel like I need to be. Um, and so that's where I am right now. I think a lot of people are in that point right now because of how the economy is and everything is just everywhere. So I will just encourage people who are in their growing, going through the growing pains and are waiting for that door to open. It will open. You know, sometimes, you know, a closed door isn't really um, a no, it's protection because we don't know what was on the other side of that. You know, God saw that and he was like, no, no, no. Or maybe our vision is just too small for what it is that we see. And he has something bigger for us. And I have to trust what he see and not me just going off of something I just briefly saw. So I would just tell everyone to stay encouraged and be positive. You have to speak it. You know, the, the tongue has power to speak life and death. Just be speak life into anything. Claim it, confirm it, whatever, you know, affirm it, do whatever you just do it, everything that you can to say it is yours. Um, because that's how things come to fruition. Um, hang in there. It's, it's tough, but you know, every day that you have breath, it's another day to get it right. So you're going to be fine. <laughs> and if you have questions for me, if you have a question about your student loan debt or FAFSA or anything related to Title IV funds, I am on Facebook. Um, my page is the Higher Education Literacy Provider dash help. Or you can um, find me on um, or my I'm on um, Instagram as well under the help. Same thing. 
or you can look, um, connect with me on um, LinkedIn and send me a message. I'm getting some requests to help assist people there as well, because I tell people all the time, lots of people can tell you they know stuff, but I always like to send people to my LinkedIn page so you can see my background, because it's important that you do your due diligence. Just like I'm telling you, do due diligence on what I'm telling you, do due diligence on those persons that you're taking advice from, because you want to make sure that you're not speaking to just somebody who has student loans. Yes, I do have student loans, but I'm also a person who's been in this industry for 20 plus years. So I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know because I was responsible for a lot of those processes. So this is factual information and I can provide you with the regs to back it up. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Teacher McMillan, uh, higher education professional, uh, counseling, consulting services, provides financial literacy, uh, she's given us a lot of nuggets this evening, and I will post ways to contact her in the notes um, in the event um, you need to reach out with her. And many of us do. It's time to have that conversation before we make decisions that are not informed. Uh, Tisha, thank you so much for joining me as a guest on the Water Word podcast. Welcome. And just and also the last thing I'll say is because we don't know if President Biden is going to extend that student loan um, moratorium. If August is truly the deadline in September, we start paying. If you want to do a student loan check, you just want to make sure that whatever that payment is going to look like when they do go back into repayment, if it's not a comfortable payment, if you want to see if you have other options or ways to um, get it lower then definitely contact me. But what you can't do is contact me thinking about to get rid of your debt. <laughs> I don't do that. What I provide you with is options and alternatives to whatever your situation is right now, letting you know, yes, you have options. This is what I would recommend for you. And we can definitely just do a talk. Um, and I definitely don't mind. <laughs> Thank you so much. Blessings to you and your family. And I look forward to connecting you with you again um, soon. Yes. As, most as we try to navigate this financial loan industry. Thanks oh, yeah. There so much more to come, especially with Biden, President Biden and what he decides to do. So it's definitely has all of us on the edge of our seats, but definitely, you know how to reach me. <laughs> Blessings and thanks again for joining us on Thank the World Podcast. Much for having me. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you.